Take your Bibles, please. Let's go back over to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. Acts, chapter number 2. Got bogged down this morning, didn't get uh, very far. Got back over here this afternoon, and man, God just kept putting stuff on my heart and mind, so I don't even know um, what we're going, how, how this is going to go tonight. I just, my heart's full over the, the thought and over the subject that we preached about this morning out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Verse 44, and all that believed were together. I've got that underlined in my Bible. All that believed were together. By the way, they were together a lot. Back, back, up, back up to chapter 1. Back up to chapter 1. Look at verse 4. Being assembled together. See that? Look at verse 6. And when they were therefore were come together. Big things happen when the people of God get together. Where two or three are Gather together, he said. It's not the size of the church. It's the, it's the unity in the church that really is important. Amen. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, he said I'd be in the midst. Look at verse 15 of chapter 1. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, parentheses, the number of names together. There were about 120 not to be confused with the number of names on a piece of paper in a file cabinet somewhere, they, they were together. Their name was on the roll, and I believe it's biblical. Right. I believe it's biblical to be a member of a church. Yes. Amen. I believe God puts people in a local church. He puts them there as a member. Too many places in the Bible talks about being members of one body. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an official joining together of that, of that church. But your name being on the roll and it being in a file cabinet somewhere doesn't really count for much if you're not there. Right. Amen. The Bible says the names together were about 120. You get over to chapter number two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Something big's fixing to happen because they were all together. It's important. When you go on down and you read chapter number two, the Bible says in verse 41, they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day there were added unto them. Who? The 120. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread. And all that believed, verse 44, were together. Verse 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Well, what a statement. We're now up to 3,120 people eating meat with singleness of heart. We've got 3,120 people in one accord. And I'm not talking about a Honda either. 
These people were on the same page. You want to know the two-pronged tool that God used to cultivate that kind of unity? Doctrine and fellowship. Amen. The doctrine is the, is the truth. The doctrine is the academics. The, tr the, the doctrine is the, is the dogma, the statement of faith. The, 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 the doctrine is the preaching and the teaching, but the fellowship is the warmth and is the communion. It is the relationship coupled together with that truth that really, really did a work in that church. We got places today they want the fellowship without the doctrine. It's like a social club. They got a lot going on. They got the softball teams and they've got the, the drama teams and the dance teams and they have all these trips and all these things that they do together and all those things, but there's not a lot of doctrine to hold it together. I believe it's important. The Bible believes it's important. God believes it's important for us to understand that the prototype of the first church in the book of Acts was they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. It's important. You need both. I need it. We all need it. Some just know we need it, and some people don't know they need it. You don't know you, you don't know you need it until it's not there. Many times you don't appreciate it till it's not there. I called brother, I called brother Sam while ago down in Mexico. He said, preacher. I just said, I said, preacher, I said, I said, I'm getting ready to go to church. I, said, I called him about 4.30. I said, I got, I got church here in a minute. I just won't call and check on you. He said, preacher, you have no idea how much it means for me for you to call me. He said, I could just talk to you for hours. Just starving for fellowship. On the phone, you could hear it. After church this morning, I was talking to Brother Sasser and his family at the back. Of course, they go to, they go to Israel when they can. They go and stay for extended periods of time. And we were talking about just the, the understanding as missionaries what it's like to be somewhere where you don't have fellowship. They made a statement this morning. I started crying in the back of the church and they was talking to me about it. He said, Preacher, we watched live stream when we was in Israel. Of course, it's what, seven hours difference over there. So it's Sunday night when we have Sunday morning here. They don't get to watch a Sunday night service on Sunday night because it's three o'clock in the morning over there. But he said, we, we, we would watch the services on live stream and enjoy it so much. He said, but you know what we hated? I said, what? He said, we hated it when everybody started dismissing and going around shaking hands and the cameras cut off. And we was like, oh man, we want to watch everybody shake hands. But I got a knot in my throat when he was telling me about that. When you're starving for fellowship, you'll be happy just watch somebody else do it. Right. See, there's a lot of things we don't think about you don't think about that kind of stuff. I get, I, get, I get emotional talking about fellowship. I do. As a missionary's kid, we lived in the Samoan Islands for several years as a little boy. And we didn't have nobody to play with as kids. I mean nobody. We didn't have fellowship. There was one other missionary in the Samoan Islands. This was in 84, 85. There was one other American missionary on that island, 17 miles long, quarter of a mile wide in some places. You look at it, you can't hardly really find it on the map. The island of Tutuila, American Samoa. We lived in the village of Pongo Pongo. There was one other American missionary on that island, and they were weird. 
I'm going to tell you how weird they were. Just a man and his wife, old, there was an old couple, they had two plates, two cups, two forks, two knives, two spoons with my hand up. That's it. And they told us that. We don't have company. We don't have people over. We've got two plates. We've got two cups. And we were, we were starving for fellowship. And I remember as a kid, we went over there a couple times without being invited. And I mean, here I was, 10 years old, and they were white-headed. And I looked forward to going over and seeing them even though she was mean to me. <laughs> i never forget it. Don't step on my ferns. That's all she ever said to us. Don't step on my ferns. But man, we were starving for fellowship. I mean, you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with nobody. Then we went to the Hawaiian Islands. We were missionaries there for a number of years. And man, we were just starving for fellowship. God sent us to Africa five and a half years. I get on the phone. I call people, please come visit us. I couldn't pay nobody to come see us. And I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. That'll do something. That'll do something in your heart. That'll do something in your mind towards appreciating the people of God and not taking each other for granted. And when I was getting this message up, I thought, man, Lord, I don't... I don't know if I can convey to our church my passion for this subject right here. And the more I look at my Bible, it's just all through there. I mean, it's all through there. I shared some with you this morning. We talked about the emphasis on fellowship, multiple places in the scripture where we find fellowship emphasized. Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said this in Philippians chapter number one. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul said, every time I pray, I thank God for the fact that we get the fellowship. What a statement. Here's a man that spent days, weeks, months in cold jail cells and prison cells. You better believe he enjoyed fellowshipping with God's people. No wonder he made such a big deal out of Onesiphorus seeking him out. Many times coming to refresh him. He said he refreshed me often. Can you imagine how glad Paul was to see a familiar face peeking through those jail bars? Can you imagine what it did to his spirit to see Onesiphorus stick his head around the corner? It's like, yes. Not another one of those drab, dreary, cold, dank days in a jail cell where you're scratching the day of the week on the wall with a rock, but here's a brother in Christ that I can fellowship with. Break up this monotony of all these lost people, all these wicked people, all these cussing uh, soldiers that I'm surrounded with. Here's a brother in Christ that we've got something in common. Apostle Paul appreciated fellowship. I read this this morning, but I'm going to touch on it again. Acts chapter 21, verse 4, and finding disciples, we tarried there seven days. And we, we had accomplished those days. We departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. What a beautiful picture of a group of Christians telling Paul goodbye knowing that they would never see him again. What an impression that made on me when I read that. Seven days he hung out there with them, just enjoying the fellowship. This morning we looked at the emphasis on fellowship. We looked at the essentials of fellowship. That word fellowship in the Greek 
It literally means a, an association, a, a, a community. It means a communion and it means joint participation. The root word for that Greek word fellowship is the word koinos, meaning a partner, a companion, a sharer. Things are just better shared, are they not? Isn't it a blessing when you've got somebody, you don't have to explain to them how awesome it is being saved because they're saved and they know it. You don't have to explain to them how great God is because they're saved and they know how great God is. And you share that common knowledge and that common experience. There's something about it. Something about it. The Bible says all that believed were together. All that believed were together, verse 44. The key common bond was their belief system. All that believed were together. Let's just be honest. There ain't too many people left on this planet that believe like us. We've got people that's trickled in from all over the place in the last six or eight months. And you know what's brought them to Calvary Baptist Church? They've gravitated to a place where there's a common belief system. People driving 30, 45 minutes, an hour. I preached up in, uh, is it Westchester? Is that where I was at Friday night preaching at a banquet for Brother Frazier? And there was people there that came up to me and they said, Preacher, I live an hour and 15 minutes from your church. I'm trying to figure out how in the world I can get there. I mean, that's a, let's just be honest, that's a, that's a long drive. Hour and 15 minutes, that's a long way to expect somebody to come to church and be faithful and be a member. And they're, they're literally in turmoil. I mean, they're, they're telling me, they say, I can't figure out how to do it. I want to, I say, well, you can move. <laughs> hey, man, we got houses for rent around here. Come on. And it's easy to look at somebody and say the church that's alive is worth the drive, but an hour and 15 minutes, that's, that's pushing it on out there. How, how, how far did you drive the first two years you joined Pleasant View? How long did it take you to get to church? 45 minutes. And he passed about 4,700 independent Baptist churches to get to ours. I ain't joking. Up in North Carolina, they're behind every rock, behind every tree. They drove for a couple years down to Pleasant View. But I'm telling you right now, the thing that is bringing people to this church and the reason why I believe God's working in this church is because there's a group of people that share the same belief system. All that believed were together. Who was it, Benjamin Franklin? During the, was talking about the, the Revolutionary War and he, he made the statement, he said, gentlemen, if, we're not all, if we do not all hang together, we will most assuredly hang separately. That's where we're at right now. And i just be honest with you. There's something about this Bible. What it does for me, what it does for you, it draws us to each other. It's a kindred spirit. And the essential is the faith, the salvation experience, being born again. And I quoted this morning, 1 John 1, 3, where John said, that which you have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father 
Our common denominator is our relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. That's the glue holding all this together. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. The Old Testament prophet Amos asked this question, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the obvious answer is no. Not if they're gonna walk together very long. They're gonna, at some point, they're gonna go their separate ways. One of the things that I've done my best since I've been at Calvary Baptist Church with God's help is to do my best to try to preserve the doctrinal purity and integrity of this church. I mean, I've got a stack of business cards over here. People come to me all the time, preacher, I need to to call you. I need to sit down and talk with you about joining the church. I said, I'd love to sit down and talk with you. Let's do it. My number's on the church website. I'm I'm easy to get a hold of. I'm serious. I know some pastors, you have to wade through about 47 secretaries to get to them. I'm easy to get a hold of. If my truck's here, I'm here. People say, I want to join the church. I don't say, praise the Lord, walk on down the aisle and join the church. I said, let's sit down and talk. Let's make sure you've read our doctrinal statement and you agree with the way we believe because before you join this church, we want to make sure we're all rowing in the same direction. We could, have, we could have a thousand people here in a few weeks if we tossed doctrine aside. Right. We made what we believe a, a non-essential, but it's not a non-essential. That's the glue that holds it all together. Right. It's important to me that the members of Calvary Baptist Church, I don't care where they came from, it don't matter to me. It's, a, it's important to me that we're all on the same page and going in the same direction with a single heart and a single mind. That's a, that's a recipe Without that, it's a recipe for strife and divisions and contentions and schisms in the body. We don't need that. I've been in churches before where they argued and fought like cats and dogs. Whoever let them join didn't do their vetting process very well. Amen. And I don't want somebody else's problem either. If they've tore up the last three or four churches they've been at, they can go on down the road. I don't want them over here. Amen. I'm getting distracted now. I'm talking about fellowshipping. I thank God we don't have all that over here. I've been here six years. I don't know of anybody in here fighting with me, fighting with each other. I thank God for it. If you're doing it, you're keeping it on the down low, and I encourage you to do that. Don't let me find out about it. I'll call both of you into the principal's office. Give everybody demerits. Amen. Let's keep it, let's keep it together with the fellowship. It's important. The devil get his foot in the door with divisions and schism. Tear this church all to pieces. The devil loved that. The devil loved that. It's a problem with a lot of people. They fellowship with the wrong people. Ephesians 5.11, Paul said, I have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You ought to be ashamed if you spend more time fellowshipping with unsaved people than you do God's people. Something wrong. Something's wrong. If you're more comfortable, if you'd enjoy spending time and hanging out and doing things with people that are not saved, people that are involved in sin, more than the people of God, something's wrong. Something's not right. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? You don't have any business. I said you've got no business fellowshipping with unsaved people 
on a consistent basis. I mean, you have to interact with them on the job. You have to interact with them if they're in your family. You have to, I mean, there's things of that nature. I'm talking about fellowshipping. We're talking about an intimacy. We're talking about communion. That's what the word means. We're not talking about a casual uh, relationship at work. And I encourage you to try to have a good relationship with your coworkers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about fellowshipping. The Bible's clear. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with the idols? He said in verse 17, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Several times the apostle Paul alluded to the fact that many times God's people are tempted to fellowship with the wrong people. Thirdly, write this down, we see the expression of fellowship. True biblical fellowship speaks volumes, both to the church as well as to the world. In John chapter 13, Jesus said in verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. What a statement. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. What kind of love did he have for them? He spent 24-7 with them for one thing. Ephesians 5 says, husbands, love your wives even as. Boy, what a statement. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Boy, you're talking about raising the bar? You say, I, I love my wife. Do you love your wife the way Christ loved the church? That's your homework assignment. Go homework on that this week. That's, that's the standard. Love your wives even as. Well, he said in, he said in uh, uh, John 13, love one another as I have loved you. He spent 24-7 with them. I don't think we can even begin to understand the level of commitment, say with me, that Jesus had to the disciples. We could preach a whole message. We could preach a whole message about the level of commitment that they had to him. But look at the level of commitment that he had to them. He's, he spent 24-7 with them. He said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. When he said, come follow me, I mean, he was in it for the long haul. Three and a half years he invested in them. 24-7. I don't think we really understand what it means to fellowship the way the early church fellowshiped. From house to house in verse 46. From house to house continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They went to church every day. We got people today that get upset because we have church more than once a week. They, they had the church every day in Acts 2. They thought Jesus was coming back. They sold all their possessions in verse 45. Gave them to everybody that had a need. They thought Jesus was going to come back any second because the disciples came back and they said, we were standing on the Mount of Olives and the angels came down and said, the same Jesus that you see ascending up into heaven, he's going to come back in like manner. You're going to see him. They thought he was going to come back in their lifetime. They weren't interested in accumulating a bunch of stuff and junk. They were selling everything they had, giving to people that had needs, going to church every day. People was getting saved every day. Man, we've come a long way from that kind of church. You can go to churches now in America and they, 
Only time they unlock the doors on Sunday morning, that's it. Cobwebs in the church. I'm talking about a level of fellowship like the early church had. It's powerful. I begin to think about what Andrew Murray said, our love to God is measured by our everyday fellowship with others and the love it displays. That's Andrew Murray said that. Our love to God is measured by our everyday fellowship with others and the love that it displays. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you love one another. Now Jesus said that. Is everybody still with me? I'm going to ask you a simple question tonight. How can you say you love somebody that you don't ever talk to? That you don't ever spend time with? That you don't ever interact with? See, I love my church. What is it about your church you love? The services? The preaching? The singing? Because the church is the people sitting in the pews. And if we love our church, we love each other. And if we love each other, we want to be together and do things together. Say, preacher, you're beating a dead horse. No, I ain't. I'm not beating a dead horse. I'm telling you right now, the New Testament church believed in fellowship. And if we don't get it together in the fellowship department, we're going to find ourselves alienated in these last days. You're not going to get the encouragement that you need. I thought about this afternoon, I told my wife, I said, the three taverns, I said, Appy Forum and the three taverns. She said, what? I said, just don't let me forget. Appy Forum and the three taverns. What in the world are you talking about? I said, I believe it's Acts 28. I was right. Acts 28, 14 and 15, and where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. Now, you don't ever find the apostle Paul discouraged. Come on now. But in this story, he took courage. Can you read between the lines? When he saw the brethren, Brother Sasser, he thanked God and took courage. There was something about seeing that little cluster of saints. He said, thank God, there they are. And just seeing them bolstered his courage. Even the boldest of us most outspoken of us. Sometimes we get discouraged. We need to be encouraged. And God has put other believers in our path to do that. 1 Peter 4, verse 8 and 9, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And then in verse number 9, he gives a powerful statement. This is Peter, by the way. He said, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. I like that word hospitality. If you look it up in the Bible, that's one of the qualifications of the bishop, by the way. Given hospitality. I believe in opening my home, our home. It's not my home, it's God's home. He just lets me live there. I believe in opening my home to the people of God. Always have. 
I'm going to tell you, there's something inside of me. I want to be with God's people. I can't explain it. It is a qualification of a bishop. But I'm going to just go ahead and tell you something. I ain't carrying this monkey on my back all by myself. The Bible says for all of God's people to have fervent charity among yourselves and use hospitality one to another without grudging. I looked it up. Hospitality means having guests. In case y'all thought I went out on a limb this morning, I did my homework. And the word grudging means murmuring and complaining. Have guests, fervent charity, it's all tied in there together, fellowshipping with God's people without grudging. Is everybody still with me? Say amen or owe me one. I'm preaching the Bible this evening. And I thought about that I thought about that road to Emmaus experience. Did not our hearts burn within us? Boy, that got me. And I thought, I thought hang on a second, I know a Bible verse that would go along with that. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Don't you hate doing chores by yourself? For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. And here was the verse I thought about. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. Watch this. But how can one be warm alone? Can I tell you why some people have a hard time staying on fire for God? They stay by themselves all the time. Right. Amen. It's hard to get cold on God when you're hanging around people that's on fire. Come on now. Amen. It's hard for your flames to flicker. It's hard for your heart toward God to get cold when you're constantly surrounding yourself with people that are passionate and zealous about the work of God. You can't help but stay on fire. I thought about Matthew 11. I thought about old John the Baptist in that prison cell. Watch this now. John the Baptist. What a, what a Christian. What a Christian. I preached on him a few weeks ago about even the greatest struggle sometimes. But watch this right here. Matthew chapter number. I don't want to misquote this. This is powerful. Now when John, this is Matthew 11 verse 2, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. I thought about that a minute. How does a man in prison send two people to go somewhere if they're not right there standing next to him? <laughs> how did he do that? How did he dispatch two of his disciples? I'm going to tell you how. They were loitering right there. They were as close to him as they could get while he was in prison. I believe that. I mean, what is he going to do? He's going to send him an email or a postcard? How did he do that? Look at it with me. He sent two of his disciples and said unto them, and they said unto him, art thou he, talking about Jesus, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? His, his, faith, was, his faith was wavering. John the Baptist. 
and I just preached this a few weeks ago, I ain't repeat it all. The one that baptized Jesus and had the audible confirmation, this is my beloved son. The one that had the visible confirmation of the angel, of the, of the a dove coming down and lighting on his shoulder. I mean, he had all these confirmations. The one that said, the one that cometh after me, I'm not worthy even to untie his shoes and loose his uh, shoes. And he said, uh, I must decrease so that he must increase and and and. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This one is the one having second thoughts in prison. Good thing he had some fellowship and friends hanging around that he could send to Jesus. And they said to Jesus, Art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Jesus answered, said unto them, Watch this, here we go. Oh, my soul. Go and show John again. Look at it. It's what it says. Look at it. John's already heard this. But go show him again. See, that's what fellowship does right there. It reminds you of stuff you already know. But sometimes you forget. Go show John again those things which ye do see and hear. Are y'all getting this? See, John was in a place where he couldn't see it and hear it. He was relying solely on fellowship, secondhand witnesses to bolster his faith. I've been there. I've been there before. I had a man call me this afternoon, nationally known evangelist. He's got thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of subscribers to his YouTube channel. He called me today. He said, I need to bounce something off you, Brother Schiffer. We talked about 20 minutes. You know who it is. You know what he said? I just threw some Bible verses at him. I said, you do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to tell somebody how to fight their battle. You might want to use your slingshot. You might not want to use Saul's armor. You just use whatever works for you. But if it was me, this is what I would think about doing and pray about doing. And I just threw some scenarios at him. You know what he said to me? Brother Shifford, you have got no idea how much you've helped me just being a sounding board. And I ain't, I ain't, I ain't proud about that because I've been on the other end of that phone call more times than I can count where I've had to call people and say, I need some advice. And you know what got me lined out? You know what got me leveled out? You know what got my head screwed on right? Fellowshipping. It was over the phone, but it was fellowshipping. That's what it was. It was two people with the same God, the same goals, and same purpose, yes. helping one another stay on fire for God. I would not be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for fellowship. I can tell you that right now. I would never have made it this long without fellowship. That's why when missionaries come here, I make sure I invest in them, fellowship with them. Take them out to eat. It ain't about the food. Food's secondary. It's about the time together. They come through here. Many of these missionaries come through here, and you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe. I told somebody last night, I said, I wish there was some way I could put a camera in my office and video the conversations. Y'all wouldn't believe it. I'm talking about missionaries. We look at them as the... And as far as I'm concerned, they're the cream of the crop. I mean, they're the top of the pyramid when it comes to God's elite. 
it ain't pastors. We got it made in the shade compared to missionaries. They're the choicest servants of God as far as I'm concerned. And I'm humble to just be in their presence and hang out with them. I don't have that attitude. We're just, you're, you're lucky to hang out with me. Oh no, I'm blessed to hang out with them. I'm blessed for my kids to get to hang around them and listen to them talk and tell stories. But they come in here, they come in here, I'm telling you what, they're dry because they're going from church to church to church. They don't have a church family that they can gravitate around and they're just all over the place in their van or in their car staying in prophet's chambers and motel rooms and they go to, from church to church to church and when they walk in the doors of our church, I want to love on them and I want to be there for them to encourage them. They can leave refreshed because I know what it's like being a missionary and never having anybody to fellowship with and talk to. I know what it's like going into churches and they don't even speak to you. We would go to churches, my wife and I, we had three babies at the time. We'd be there all Sunday morning, sing, I'd preach, we'd have our, present our work, and we'd leave, and we'd go down the road, and we'd say, which one of them women in the choir you reckon was the preacher's wife? She never spoke to us, never spoke to my wife, never introduced herself, showed her where the nursery was. Here she is with three babies. Oh, it was a bunch of churches like that. Now, they're not all that way, but there's a lot like that. And that's why in this church, I've done my best to try to encourage you and teach you to respect and love and honor missionaries. They need the fellowship. You say, I don't need it, but they do. By the way, we put the offering plates up here Wednesday night for those missionaries with nine kids, and we took up a special offering for them. Y'all brought down $1,260 for those missionary kids. Ain't that awesome? That's a blessing. Nine kids, they all got $140 a piece. I said, I didn't want those kids to ever forget being at this church because there's going to be places where people ain't going to care about them. People's not going to love them. People's not going to notice them, but they're going to know Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland loved them. It goes a long way. I told that missionary about that offering. He said, preacher, I feel like I need to come back Sunday and thank the church. I said, you ain't got to do that. He said, my goodness, I ain't never in my life had anybody do that for my kids. I said, that's how we roll here at Calvary, brother. This is how we roll. Gave them a good love offering. I want them to leave encouraged. Fellowshipping. Are y'all getting my message tonight? John the Baptist. Where would he have been? If he hadn't had some fellowshippers hanging around to go find out. To come back. By the way, I'll give you a little nugget completely unrelated to the message. In verse 3, John the Baptist says, Art thou he that should come? Or should we look for another talking to Jesus? Look what Jesus said about him in verse 11. Verily, verily, I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. You ready, Brother Adriel? When John was thinking least of Jesus, Jesus was thinking most of him. Wow, thank God he had those two disciples he could send hanging around fellowshipping. And they came back and said, John, you ain't gonna believe what he said. What'd he say, what'd he say? He said, you already know the answer. 
He said, go tell him again. John, you've been right this whole time. I'm trying to wrap this up here. I wonder tonight, really, just, just asking you, is there, is there any part of your life that you could maybe work in a little bit more fellowship? Not just for your benefit, but the benefit of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Our church has been through a crazy year, has it not? Crazy year. It's going to get crazier. It's raining. Ain't no sense in me finishing preaching now. Y'all can't go nowhere. We'll just dismiss and let you fellowship a little bit. How's that sound? Here's what I'll challenge you to do after church. I'm going to challenge you to do something after church that's going to make you uncomfortable. Go find somebody you don't know and get to know them before you get out of here. Don't go to your same little people you talk to all the time. Go find somebody you don't know. You say, preacher, that's awkward. I'm going to make it even more awkward. Won't you just walk up to them and say, I don't know you and you don't know me, but we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. I want to get to know you. Won't you try it that way? And let God enrich your life through fellowship. That's what the early church did. Where are you from? I'm from Asia. I thought you looked like you were from Asia. Where are you from? I'm from Egypt. I told my wife, I guarantee you they're from Egypt. <laughs> Did you imagine the early church, what it was like before and after church? Have you ever had falafels? Have I had what? Falafels. No, I don't even know what you're saying. Come over to the house. We'll feed you some falafels. Can I get a witness? The ones from Rome went up to the ones from Asia and said, you ever had spaghetti? guarantee you. I guarantee you the people from Rome, from Italy said, y'all ever had lasagna? Oh, mama mia. <laughs> Just thinking about it, it's exciting. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Don't underestimate the power of good Christian fellowship. Lord, we love you tonight. As we have invitation or we've got baptismal candidates getting ready to be baptized, I pray that right now, Lord, that you would just do a work in our hearts. I pray that, Lord, if, there, if we've got folks in our church, maybe they've just not appreciated the importance of fellowship, that maybe the, the, the messages today, the messages today would speak to their heart. I know it's easier sometimes to think we're the only ones, but we're not the only ones trying to serve you, Lord. There's a bunch of us. Maybe we need to expand our network. put us in a church with such a tremendous, precious group of Christians. I'd hate for somebody to be discouraged and sit in this church week after week, lonely, discouraged, feeling unloved, unwanted, uncared for, as many people as there are in this church to fellowship with. I pray, God, that you'd open our hearts, our minds, open our homes. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, as the Bible says, so plainly and so clearly use hospitality one to another without grudging 
getting to knowing one another, praying for one another, carrying one another's burdens, so fulfilling the law of Christ. Every will and way in this invitation, I pray. Folks are in the altar. If God is still